All right, I am ready whenever you guys are. Fantastic. Mike, are you ready? I'm ready. Nash, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Glass Half Sports. It is March 17th, and this is episode 4-0. This show is getting old, Mike. Yeah. We are we are aging like fine wine over here. The longer you keep us in the bottle, the better we're going to be. Yes, sir. So, uh, big show for you guys today. I'm one half of your hosting duties, Nick Huffman, on this amazing St. Patrick's Day. Thank you all for joining us, as always. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well, man. Uh, happy St. Patrick's Day to you, and happy St. Patrick's Day to our fan favorite uh, twins journalist, uh, Nash Walker, who's going to be joining us uh, via Zoom today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, big show for the crew today. Lots to get through, so we got to be up-tempo pretty much all show, my guy. Plus, I want to leave and be able to go out and celebrate the or have a celebration of the inebriation Pretty much that's what this holiday is all about. So um, what do we got for the fans? Yeah, we're going to basically be in two-minute drill all day today. Love so uh, really quick show rundown. We're going to talk the Twins with Nash Walker. Twins have been actually making some moves. Uh, what? Polad doesn't look like such a sloth recently. Um, the MLB actually ends its lockout as well. So we have baseball around the corner. Yep. Uh, NFL Hot Corner is our next segment. So we're going to talk about some free agency, uh, some moves that have been made as well our typical weekly Wild Wolf Watch, and then we're going to end it with March Madness and our first round predictions. Absolutely, because uh, that starts today. The first four was last night. Mike, where can they find us if uh, they're not here with us live on Facebook on either Glass Half Sports or Notoriety Sports? Yeah, as always, guys, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, YouTube, Patreon. I believe the list goes on. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, if you don't catch us on any of those platforms, you can always catch us on cable, actually, on MCN 6, Saturdays at 10 p.m., late night. Yeah, it's your best fucking bet. We're basically Adult Swim for Minneapolis public television. For, yeah, which is, that's a, that's a, that's the best place to find us, right? For sure. Have a beer, inhale some vitamins, watch some late night sports talk on, on MCN. So we can kick right into things, and we, the aforementioned guest is actually already with us. He's not in the building, but he is with us on the show, uh, writer or, um, I guess, reporter of both Twins Daily and Locked on Twins, Nash Walker. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, guys. So good to be here. I like the glass half because sometimes you guys are glass half full. Other times you're glass half empty. That's glass half empty right there. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so Mike's empty. Nick is, is half full. But I love that because it's you give it to him straight. And that's what we do. That's what it is. That's what it's all about on the show. I'm glad you were able to absorb the concept. That's yeah, that's that's always a plus. Thinking of it as you were introing, I was like, I get it. I get it. I'm I so like it. I'm hoping it lands that way with everybody else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so um uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. Twins have had a busy offseason since the uh, since the end of the lockout. So there's some things that we definitely got to get to. And I guess we can start with, you know, there's, there have been some free agent moves that have happened, but there's still some holes in the roster, right? Um, it looks like we're still in need of a shortstop, might be in need of another pitcher. The DH is still in, in, in flex. So before we get to some of these trades, what do you think some of the final moves might be for the Twins as they move forward here? Yeah, Nick, they've been the most active team post lockout i don't think there's any question trades in three consecutive days and not just like little trades 40-man roster trades these were big roster changing trades they completely wiped out the left side of their infield donaldson's gone their biggest free agent signing they ended up paying him like 30 million bucks total uh, i saw from our friend aaron gleeman 30 million uh signed him to that 92 million dollar deal not the way they wanted it to go with him Year one, right. he's hurt in the playoffs. Year two, the team sucks when he's healthy, of course, and it just didn't line up. But I, I don't know if they expected to get Donaldson's money off the books, but they have been 
super active. And the best part of this all is as much as we talk about the money and as much as we talk about how much they should be spending, there's a reality here. In the last three to four, at least since Derek Falvey and Thadlevine have taken over, it's been a minimum $125 to $135 million payroll. And that's that's what we're looking at. Right now, they have $94 million committed to this team. Oh, there's room. So they have 30, $35 million to spend, and there's no free agent starters left who are going to cost more than Michael Pineda. So what you're looking at is potentially a splash elsewhere. Enter Trevor Story. They're talking with Trevor Story. It feels like, to me... There are the, his market to me is not as wide as you would think it would be because he wants to stay at short. And you can, you guys can just think off the top of your head. If you think of the contenders in baseball, you have two different types of teams. You have a contender who needs a shortstop and you have teams who wouldn't be willing to pay said shortstop because they're not contending. There are no contenders in the top of my mind outside of St. Louis and Houston, the Astros and Cardinals who have both the incentive to win and the money to spend on a shortstop. And Houston, I think, is going to land Correa because Carlos Correa is still out there. I think he's going back to Houston. Right. Yeah. So it's St. Louis and the Twins. I also think St. Louis has Edmundo Sosa, who they really like, I think, and Paul DeYoung, and I think they're going to roll with that this year. So I think this is a great spot for the Twins. So there's a chance Trevor Story decides I want to play second base or I'm willing to play second base. In that case, his market opens up massively. But if he's set on playing shortstop, if he says, I want to play shortstop, for a team that could win. And I think if the Twins get Trevor Story, and as you mentioned, they need to make another move in the rotation, they can make some noise this year. I don't think there's any question about it. They traded for Sonny Gray. We asked at the beginning of the offseason, you need two frontline starters. Sonny Gray slots in as a two. If you trade for Frankie Montas or Luis Castillo or somebody else as a number one, you sign Trevor Story, they have the resources, the money to do it. I, I don't know how you can look at this team and say they, they can't make noise. I think they absolutely could. So if that's the case for Trevor Story, I like where they're at. And you might ask, why have they not signed Trevor Story yet? It honestly might be a not bidding against ourselves situation yeah. at this point because I don't see his market as being as wide as, as you would think. As I said, the Yankees, the Twins trade Isaiah kind of Falefa to the Yankees. They took him out of – they took the yeah. Yankees out of Story's market in that case, which it's two birds, one stone. And this is not just conjecture as it was before the lockout. They are in contact with Trevor Story. They're very much in on Trevor's story, we know. So it's exciting. They got more to do, even if they do sign story. But I think they're in a really good spot, and I think he's a great fit for this team right now. The only reason Trevor's story is not getting $300 million in free agency is because he's coming off a down year, which for a lot of guys at shortstop would be a career year. He's still a 3-4 win player, still above average at the plate. That's the only reason the Twins would be able to, to get him at maybe $100, $120 million in free agency. And you guys like to talk about Mr. Polad quoted as saying he wants to compete this year. So if Love he it. wants to compete and Derek Falvey and Thad Levine go to him and say, hey, we can sign Trevor Story for X amount of money, uh, I would think he'd say yes. And as I said, they have 35, 30 to 35 million to spend. If Story costs 22, you still have money to go get Frankie Montas, who costs five and a half and a bunch of prospects probably. But I think they're in a, at a point, I've said all offseason, they should be doing this. You don't, you don't extend Byron Buxton and waste his age 28 season. Yep. Jorge Polanco is coming off a great year. Alex Kirilov, I think, is going to step right in this year. Jose Miranda's coming, your guy, Nick. They're, they have the pieces in place in other spots. Now, do they still have holes? Do I think this is a flawless roster? Not even close. I think they have so much more work to do, but the path is there. The path is there, and I think they can do it. And now it's just, are they going to do it? Love it. Absolutely love it. Anything for you on the free agent piece there, Mike? Well, uh, the one thing that I've heard about the story uh, – 
you know, move and us possibly getting him is that it might actually end up being a one-year deal because of his down year last year. So what I've heard is that he actually might take a one-year deal with the Twins, try to reset his own market value. Um, have you heard or talked to anybody about that being the possibility it's, instead of a longer-term deal? Yeah, because yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, I also heard that he's turned down multiple nine-figure offers at this point trying to stay specifically at the shortstop position. Which is great for the Twins. I'm telling you, that is great news for the Twins with a wide-open hole at short. There's a chance, guys, that the Red Sox come through and they say, we're going to move Xander Bogarts to second and we're going to put Story at short. It, it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Okay. I, think that's, I think that's a long shot, but it's possible. I think, Mike, yeah, there's a chance he signs a one-year deal. There's a chance he does. And is that a bad thing for the Twins? Absolutely not. I think they're still in a spot where if Trevor Story signs a one-year deal – and you get, hopefully, the progression you're looking for from Royce Lewis this summer in an ideal world, maybe by 2023, the plan's still in place for him to be your shortstop. And Lewis just slides in. Or you could slide, right. you know, is that, slide story over to third situation. or, you know, whatever. Absolutely. But I think they're in a spot right now where Trevor Story's 29. If you can get him on a, on a five-year deal for $100, 120000000 I think you pull the trigger on that. 100%. I think you do. And because... Where else is this money going? You can take on money in a trade, and I think there are some really creative things they could do here, and that's that's what they've set themselves up for. They got worse in the Donaldson deal, but they didn't get worse if they used that money for somebody else. So right? I'm like, I'm actually really glad that you brought up the Donaldson deal. Yeah. Um, you said that they got worse. Can you expand on how much you think that they got worse? I was looking at it, trying to compare the two players you know, on each side and everything. Um, I think it's almost a wash. And just a change of positions, obviously leaving a hole at short and everything. Um, but expand on on your opinion, please, because yes. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I think it's a wider gap for Garver and, and Sanchez at this point. I think Gary Sanchez could bounce back this year and have a nice year. He has all the talent to do that, but defensively, it's just not there. Mitch Garver is more average than he is bad. Gary Sanchez is more bad than he is average. And offensively, Gary Sanchez just hasn't been good in recent years. So sure. Sure. when you look at that straight up, Clearly, Mitch, you'd rather have Mitch Garver this year than Gary Sanchez, especially at their salaries and team control. I think Urshela and Donaldson, this is how I put it. If Urshela and Donaldson each played 135 games, and Donaldson did play 135 games last year, I, I would bet that Donaldson is going to be more valuable than Urshela this year when you just look at purely the last couple of years. He still produced last year and, and hit the ball hard. It was top three, I think, in barrel percentage with Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge. So he's still hitting the ball super hard still is producing producing defensively, still there, not where he was in 19, but still there. And Gio Urshela is coming off a year where he had a ton of injuries. I like Gio Urshela. I think he's going to fit in nicely on this roster. So I don't think it's a huge gap. And when you look at Urshela over the last three years, he's been 19% above league average as a hitter, played a good third base in 2019 and 2020. Last year, again, he had like six different injuries. Yeah, I think he only list. played 100 five games or something like that. Yeah. Right. So it's a buy low situation for both those guys. And maybe it's, it is a buy high situation for Josh Donaldson and the Yankees, but the Yankees can afford to, to have Josh Donaldson right. in their payroll and still go do other things. There's still a chance they, they go trade for Luis Castillo or do other things yep. for the twins. Unfortunately, the self-imposed payroll limits, they trade Josh Donaldson. And that's, that's a big part of this. I would rather straight up, would rather have Donaldson than Urshela this year. But when you factor in the salaries, I think it gives you an opportunity to add outside of Urshela, which it opens up possibilities. And I don't want to get 
down this path where they've already, they haven't signed story. They haven't traded for Montas. They haven't done these things yet. So they still need to do these things and then I'll assess what they do with the money they saved. But at this point, they've opened up opportunities. And I, I think overall, it is good to get Donaldson's money off the books. Yeah. I agree, because yeah. I think it does open up a, a chance for you to get better in areas you need to get better. They have third baseman coming. Luis Arise can play a decent third base. Rochella can play third. Miranda can play third. Royce Lewis is probably going to be able to play third. Austin Martin can play third. So they have a lot of guys who can play third. They don't have a shortstop. Right. So if they parlay that into Trevor's story, I, I think it's a win. I 100% agree with you. Now, my question on the on the trade, uh, the guys coming in from the Yankees specifically, and it was kind of a, something that I had taken some time to think about. If you go back two, three years ago and you look at Gio Urshela's numbers, and even if you look at Gary Sanchez's numbers, pre-Boone coming to the Yankees, their numbers were a, a lot better. Part of me wonders, do you think that there's any chance that the Twins saw something on tape or there was something that was going on in that Yankees clubhouse that has had a lot of these hitters, not just those two. You look at guys like when Carlos Stanton, you look at Aaron Judge over the last couple of years specifically, all of them collectively have taken a step back. So are those guys like Gary Sanchez in what, 2018, 2019 was a 250, 30 home run a year kind of guy. And Urshela has the ability to hit up around the 270, 280 number. Free of Aaron Boone, can they return to form like that? Do you think that that's something that they were looking at? I think you can separate them. I don't know if the Boone, the Boone comment is interesting. I think you can separate them in Sanchez getting out of New York where he was criticized massively right. By, right. by the New York fan base, by New York media. He never lived up to his rookie year, and his second year in the league was a beast. Came in, just broke into the league and was a monster and hasn't been at that level, when you're in New York and you don't perform, you're going to get ripped. So for yeah. him, uberly talented. So my hope for him is he comes to Minnesota, and the report so far is he loves being at Twins camp. He loves the pressure taken off. He likes I, – I think he's going to be able to focus more on what he's doing on the field rather than outside noise. I think that's possible for Gary Sanchez. That's where the optimism lies. For Ursh Shella, he was great in 2019, was great again in 2020. For him, I think it's just, are you healthy? And pre-2019, Urshela was barely even replacement level. Like yeah. he was a, a career minor leaguer, good defender, but couldn't hit. 2019 breaks out massively at the plate, parlays into 2020. Can he get back to that level? Is he a mix of who he was before with 2019-2020? Can he stay healthy? Those are questions. So each of them has questions and they have upside, but they also have a floor we've seen. They have a, a real floor. And for Gary Sanchez, his floor is he's not starting many times a week because defensively he can't make up for it with his bat. That's fair. That's fair. Now, there's another guy that the Twins went out and got that has some questions and a floor that we've seen in Sonny Gray from the Cincinnati Reds. I had a major question on this one more specifically, not so much as what we got in return. Maybe Michael addressed that, but what we gave up, right? So for me, if you look at a guy in Chase Petty who we gave up to get Sonny Gray, who is all of his pluses, 19 years old right now, MLB level fastball, great control of a dominant, accurate, like electric Francisco Liriano type slider is kind of what the report has been on him. Um, 
all of the what he would have been able to do this year and moving into maybe like a moving to double like high double A, maybe even breaking into triple A by the end of the year with all of our our pitching talent seeming to be making the high triple A into the the pros level. Why was he somebody that the Twins were willing to move? Because I felt like he would have been a centerpiece in a future rotation for those years, you know, 32, 33, 34 for guys like Byron Buxton when maybe the offense has kind of solidified itself. I think it's it's true that he has a chance to be a true frontline starter, number one, and the Twins will be looking back and saying, why do we trade this guy? With that being said, I think he is at least three full seasons away from the majors, unless you move him to the bullpen. And if you move him to the bullpen, his value is, is no longer really there. I yeah. mean, as a high leverage reliever, there's value in that, but not even close to even being a third or a fourth starter. And that you see that on the free agent market with contracts that are handed out a third or a fourth starter is going to get three times as much as a, a good reliever. So if he's moved to the bullpen, which is a serious risk with Chase Petty, he's electric, violent delivery, high school prep pitcher, traditionally has not worked out in the first round. So the Twins are playing their probabilities here. And I'm okay with this deal. This is exactly the type of deal I've been asking for, a lot of Twins have been asking for, go out and get a frontline starter. Sonny Gray, to me, is a number two. You get him out of, of GABP. And I think he's going to give up less homers. He's done it his whole career. Didn't, didn't pitch well in New York, but since then has been really solid in three seasons for Cincinnati and, and struggled in the second half last year, but gave up a lot of his homers at, at that bandbox of a ballpark. So getting him <laughs> yeah. to target field, can shut down righties. Love that in this division. I, I really like Sonny Gray. He's the guy I was talking about for a lot of the offseason as a target for the Twins. There were six guys. It was Gray, uh, Montas, you have Trevor, uh, Tyler Malley, you have Luis Castillo, you have Sean Manaya and Chris Bassett. A lot of them have been traded, and Gray was definitely a prime target. And this straight-up Chase Petty for Sonny Gray, they also got another pitcher in the deal, kind of a low-level minors pitcher. Yep. I pulled the trigger on that 10 times out of 10. But with that being said, as I said before, they need to supplement with other, with other additions. If you're going to get Sonny Gray, you're extending Byron Buxton, you're doing all these things, and then you fail to add another starter or add a major caliber or even a star level shortstop in Trevor Story, it, it's not worth it. You should have kept Chase Petty in that case. But I think they're signaling they want to win this year, which I am I All welcome it. that with open arms. I hope that they try to win, but at this point, it's hard to see this roster putting that together. They need to supplement this move, but on its own, I really like it. I really like it on its own. They still need to put it together before opening day, three weeks from today is opening day. Oh, so I, again, I would, pull the, I would pull the trigger on this move every single time. But the caveat in that is I know that they also made other impactful additions on the roster because they need more than just Sonny Gray. But it's a great start in the rotation. 100%. So, Nash, you're talking about supplementing, obviously, the top-tier talent that we currently have, um, kind of pushing our team over the edge, hopefully going for that 100-win mark. Um, my question is, are there any players currently – on the roster that we should maybe be watching at spring training that could, you know, rise rise to the top and help out in a role-playing situation. Miranda Mania should start yeah, Nick, this year. Nick wants me, Miranda me this year. Me and Nash on Twitter are the leaders of the Miranda Mania fan club. We've been about it all yeah. lockout. We've been about it all offseason. Let the kids swing the stick. I'd even be cool with letting him fill the DH role for a while, like, before he even breaks into the field. Like, And I know he got an invite to spring, so... We so got your eyes players on. to watch at spring training. Yes. <laughs> players to watch at spring training. Certainly Miranda is a headline this year. I think I'll, I'll flip this the other way, Mike, for you. Something to watch at spring training is 
who is not going to be at spring training? Because I think if Trevor Story signs with the Twins, and Nick, you're not going to want to hear this, but I think there's a possibility Trevor Story signs with the Twins on a multi-year deal. You have then conceded Royce Lewis as your long-term shortstop. In your, I mean, Royce Lewis can, can maybe still play shortstop, but you're committing to Trevor Story as your shortstop for the next four to five years. At that point, Royce Lewis is a free agent maybe a year or two after that mm-hmm. if it remains at six years of team control. So then you have this glut. I mentioned that third base glut. You have Miranda, you have Arise, you have Urshela, you have Martin, you have Lewis. It creates that, that influx at one position or maybe in the corners more broadly. And if they go get Trevor Story, it's one of those things where you got Sonny Gray, so do something else. You got Trevor Story, now you really got to do something else. It, it's almost like it builds on itself because – if you're committing to Trevor Story, you're you're pushing more chips in, and at that point, I'd say go even further. If you're gonna don't go don't half-ass it, for lack of a better term. Like if you're gonna try, actually try. And in that case, I think they would deal from Austin Martin, Royce Lewis, Jose Miranda, Luis Horacio, Rochella in a package that could bring back a Frankie Montas, who we know they're trying to target right now. That's a possibility. So that that's a way I would flip it. Who's at spring training? There's a chance, and I think a good chance. Some of these guys who I would say will not be there. Jose Miranda, is his value has never been higher, and I'm, I would be very excited to see him play for the Twins. Just telling you right now, I think there's a chance the Twins do deal from that glut at third base or from the corners if Trevor Story does come in. So uh, Jose Miranda, Alex Kirloff's the guy we got to watch all year. I think if Alex Kirloff's healthy, which all the reports are that he is, I think he's undersold as a middle-order crusher i think he's going to be great for the twins if he's healthy so alex kirloff jose miranda trevor larnick in spring training we'll see if he can bounce back from a tough second half last year and the new guys gary sanchez joe urshela how do they fit in what's their role in spring training where are they playing in the infield and where is gary sanchez getting time at dh he's starting at dh today so those guys too but i just think that this roster is completely fluid i i don't think that it's it's set in stone even close to being set in stone at this point three weeks out so that would be my biggest storyline is who you see today do we see them in three weeks because i think for a group of players there's a chance you don't and there's a chance that big time players are brought in to fill holes on roster which is exciting i think the twins are in a super exciting spot in terms of this is a huge point for them this these next three weeks are super important for them not only for this year, but for the future. Who are they trading away? Do they win those deals? Do they make good decisions? Because we've seen in recent years in free agency and trades hasn't exactly happened. So are they making good decisions? Does this team put itself into the competitive window for this year? We're going to find that out over the next three weeks. I love it. And then one, one final thing, just because you, you brought up fluidity, and then we'll get you on your way here so I don't steal any more of your day. The Miguel Sano situation is interesting because you talk about that that congestion over at third base, but first base seems to be an area, not necessarily that the Twins are thin at, but with Sano's streaky hitting and his value maybe in a more hitter-friendly ballpark elsewhere, is he a guy that you could see on the move this year, either during the spring training process or by the trade deadline if they're looking to make an indent or if one of these guys you know shows out at spring training and kind of forces their hand on moving him? Never say never, but I think, Nick, nobody wants that contract. So are you eating Fair. money on Miguel Sano's extension? And, he, I mean, it's a one. It's basically a one-year deal. He's got a team option for next year. Twins would love to pick up that team option next year because that means he would have a great year, yeah. right? But I think at this point, 
you'd have to eat money. And if you're freeing up even more, if you're just training them to free up, free up cash and open up a position, they've, they've freed up enough cash in my mind. They, they need to go spend now. They need yeah. to go spend the money that they've saved. Like you can save and save and save and save. At a certain point, there's nowhere to spend it because the free agents are off the board. They got to go spend it now. And Miguel Sano, this is this is a critical year for him. And we say that every year, it feels like. But this is do or die for him. I think if he doesn't have a good year and he does what he usually does, which is struggles mightily in the first half and, and breaks out in the second half, has a nice second half after the All-Star break, I don't think you're going to see him in a Twins uniform next year. And there is a chance, as you said, Nick, that he's not here at the trade deadline. But do I see him? traded in spring training i don't i think they're going to keep him at first base for now i still think they see alex kirilov as a first baseman in the future but for right now i think they're going to give him one more chance uh to to show what he can do in a final year cubs to sign korea that would be amazing i hope korea does go to the cubs because that would mean he's not in the american league right i yep. love that for chicago that would be great our it, producer gabe's a huge cubs fan yeah and to see him not murder us in the playoffs when we get there would be great too hey gabe nash can't thank you enough for stopping by man uh as we get more and more into baseball season here as you graduate and come on back home uh we'll definitely have to get you in studio at some point and uh Absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Always talking to you. Always got all the best information on Twins baseball. Where can people find you on social if they want more hot takes like this and to join the Miranda Mania fan club? Thanks, guys. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at NashRocker9. Follow the show at Lockdown Twins. I will say to you guys and say to anybody watching, enjoy the next week, two, three weeks because this roster is changing in a huge way. And I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that they are mixing things up trying new things, and I think they have a path to put a competitive team on the field. The last thing I will say is if they do not put a team on the field that looks like it can compete, which right now it looks like they can compete but not contend, if they don't put a team on the field that looks like it can contend without Trevor Story, without Frankie Montas, without significant additions, that is a choice they are making. And as a Twins fan, I don't think you should be okay with that choice because they're in a good spot right now to be able to make those moves. They have the capital. They have no reason not to put a contending team on the field this year. So if they don't, that is their choice. They are choosing to punt on another season or at least a version of a punt, uh, maybe a, a squib punt. But in any case, they should be going for it. And if they're not, that's on them. And I think they deserve criticism at that point if they fail to add to this roster in the next three weeks. So just keep that in mind. It's easy to give them a pass at certain points. But these next three weeks are critical. And if they don't do anything, that's on them. That's not, I don't want to hear, you know, we couldn't, Trevor Story. I mean, it takes two to tangle. There's no question, but that's on them. 100% agree with you. Hey, man, uh, take care, stay safe. Looking forward to seeing you again soon. Ladies and gentlemen, Nash Walker. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. He's always such a genius. He knows a lot about baseball. A lot. Like, like he a pulls lot, a lot. names out that I have to think about for about 10 seconds and go, yeah, that's who that is. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's what he does, right? Like, yeah. we do football probably like he does baseball. It so vastly impressive. Absolutely impressive. Go ahead and give him a follow on Twitter, ladies and gentlemen. Me and him are interacting all the time. Uh, but without further ado, I guess, because we're in this two-minute offense pretty much. Well, yeah, let's, so let's talk about uh, – so we have, yeah, about an hour now to get through everything that we we're going to do through. it too. So uh, let's talk about the thing that kicked off all of the movement for Minnesota uh, with the end of the MLB <laughs> lockout that actually opened this offseason so you could actually make moves and switch players and sign players and do all of this. Yes. So 
you're the salary guy when it comes to the two of us. Yes. So I want you to kind of break down the differences in the CBA here for if you can. Yep. Here we go. So I kind of got it bullet pointed here. So that it's a five year CBA, and they agreed to they agreed to a, con- a competitive balance tax tax, which works like the luxury tax in the NBA. Um, that's going to hit a ceiling of 244 million in 2023, but that's as high as it's going to go. Okay. Now the other thing that was added to that is originally there was only three brackets for luxury tax. Um, you know, for first years, they added a fourth. So now if you are over 60 million, you're going to get an 80% tax on that 60 million in your first year. And that can go all the way up to 110%. So what that means to me is teams like that you see big spending right now, the Dodgers, the Yankees, a lot of these teams, the Mets with really bloated payrolls, they're only going to have a year or two to get this done before you see a a dispersal of a lot of that talent across a lot of the MLB, or at least that would be my hope under the new CBA financially at the very least. Um, Some of this had to come as far as the ceiling going up because uh, playing – Player minimum salaries have gone to uh, seven hundred thousand for first year players, um, with a max of seven eighty in that final year uh, for pre arbitration. The pre arbitration pool came in at fifty million, which is a a, a very large disparity. You know, the MLB was only going to we we reported on it. You know, here's five million, here's ten million players. Yeah, are like, what was it? Before, we want a hundred. It was there was not zero. One. Yeah, there was not a pre arbitration so pool. A, yeah. So and the players wanted a hundred. So I think that they met literally in the middle on that. And I think what forced that across was what came next, which is um, the 12-team playoff format. So we're going to get expanded MLB playoffs. We're going to get a DH in both leagues this year. Um, Yep. That is passed, which is going to be awesome because if you look at- That's the first I've heard that. So if you look- absolutely awesome. If you look at guys like Bryce Harper, if you look at some of those power hitters, Freddie Freeman now, um, or, or some of the power hitters that reside in the national league they're going to get extended portions of their career which is going to allow them access to well a that would make sense money. to as to uh where did nelson cruz end up oh uh, the nationals nationals that's national league team exactly makes sense so making room for more guys to do that instead of forcing what seemed like all of the old hitting talent over to the american league to fill a roster spot right. so it's going to spread load some of that i think that was pretty smart and then uh they're going to have an nba style lottery draft um for teams it used to be you know Pretty much fly by night on what the top picks are. Now it's going to be for the top six picks. I believe there's a sixty. Uh, it's a twelve and a half percent chance for the bottom six teams that you're going to be in the running for those picks or for the number one pick overall. Um, and then it the the percentage decreases as as you move forward. You know, as 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 your record gets better. Um, there was a hold put on the international draft. They haven't quite come to an an agreement on that. They've tabled it for this next off season as maybe an an addendum or an amendment to. Uh, the CBA, but hey, man, listen. My my only thoughts on this: the DH in both leagues is great. I love everything that happened for the players. I think they got a win here. My only concern is at what cost for the next CBA, right? Because I feel like the owners had to give up quite a bit. Gabe, are you okay? What is wrong with you? Do you want to talk about the DH in the National League? Look at the devil Why with horns. Are you guys in. cheering for adding the DH in the National League? You meatheads. I you mean, just want to see just, so, just homers. Just so homers. No more strategy. No more. Oh, my God. I this, seriously This, this guy it. is why. This guy is why. The greatest clutch hitter in history. He couldn't field worth shit. But David Ortiz was one of the best performers at the plate ever. And because he was able to be a career DH, it provided baseball with some fantastic moments. That's why. Do you so, guys like, uh, do you watch golf or do you watch long drive competitions? I watch golf. 
Probably long drive competition. Oh, neither, like actually, that's what, if I'm being honest. What's that? Neither, if I'm being honest. Yeah, do you I'm not? I'm just saying, like, this is... So I totally... Did, they have just gutted the strategy, the whole, like, there's... Like, why even have managers anymore now? Oh, stop No, no you should it. actually send the same guy up who can hit home runs every time and let fast guys run for him. And let's just have just homers, homers, homers. This God, coming from the this. this coming from the guy who was like a big fan of the Sosa Maguire Bonds era. Only because I was a Cubs fan. And oh, actually oh, I, oh. For, for real. Homers, homers, fun. homers. So Gabe, I will say I actually totally understand where you come from and somewhat agree I with you. I just learned it like, just now, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And like the first thing that popped in my head is I think that that's cool because I think it's just a little bit goofy how in the same league, you do play by different rules. Yes. There's, that's not the case in any other professional sport. Um, what I would like to see is, and obviously it's, it's you know, just with the type of athlete that we're seeing moving forward, is a, a pitcher who hits as a pitcher is like Shohei Otani in, in the NL. Or, you know, obviously you don't have to be that skilled as a hitter to break into the top nine. You don't have to be the best home run hitter in the in the entire league to be able to pitch and hit. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think it is possible. I think we've seen pitchers over the years in the National League that were decent enough or okay enough to basically just hit and their DH gets a day off that day even. So there is still some strategy to it. I but would it's say, but. so much less. I mean, like, for yeah, real. No, I mean, I know, I, so and, and when you sub the pitcher out and pitch count and double understanding. Switches, yeah, double switches. And, yes. Oh, by the way, uh, they, all that Gabe's, Gabe's going to blow a gasket when I tell him this. They also banned certain shifts. Oh, they this, banned this all year. shifts, didn't oh, they? I think Are you serious? Yeah, they banned the defensive shift. I agree with you on that one. I that think one that I don't agree with. super dumb because if you can't Why? beat the shift... Get Who's better. complaining about that? Guys like Max Joey, Kepler, guy, guys like Joey Gallo. Who gives a shit? Like Who has uh, four guys on game. the right side of the second base. Like exactly. No, that I, is so annoying. Or he's livid. a right. He, I'm so, legit livid. This is stupid. Here was the, here was the concern on 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 the banning of the shift, and we're not going to get too far into this. Otherwise, we're going to go way over on time today. Um, the issue is the excitement of baseball, right? The players want to provide something for the fans that they enjoy watching. The The struggle or the issue is with how hard guys throw now and all of the different things that are available to pitchers. For hitters, if if you know, like if you're a guy like Bryce Harper who never hits a grounder, everything you're going to hit is going to be into a line in the outfield. And you put six guys in the outfield. You not only have diminished his value, but you've also taken away from the fans the ability to watch him hit a game-winning double or hit a ball into the gap and leg it out for three or the guy that rounds first because of this. It, it, so it, some of so, it is so entertainment value. what shift exactly? So like, I'd have to look at the rules. Can you still play three outfielders but have them all center, right center, right field. Sure, like I think that I, constitutes a shift technically. So I, like now you you're can't, now you're looking at oh you got to scoot over one 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 foot that way. Oh yeah, you're, you're good there. No, I think that I think the concern was taking infielders and placing them. It in was. The outfield. I think the biggest That's concern, the honestly, from what I heard, was having enjoy. like three infielders on one side of second base. Yes. What? But because they'd have first, they'd have shallow right. And then they'd have second, and then they'd have a right field, a, a, a right right fielder, and then their shortstop would almost be behind the second base. Exactly. Well. Which, and that's where the struggle becomes, because how do you, how do you, how do you hit into that period? 
regard like regardless of if you you know hit opposite the ball the other way. I I understand that, but for the fans' value, hard hit balls are now outs instead of into the gap where guys enjoy seeing that, and it changed baseball. <laughs> but if you hit to the right center gap, ninety percent of your, like if you bat three hundred and ninety percent of your hits are to the right center gap. You're now limiting the defense from basically understanding that you're going to hit the ball there. It's so it's dumb, stupid. It's be, dumb. Be faster to get there. And I'm sick and tired of watching you know, guys. So I'm tired of watching guys hit to spot A, but I can't go just stand on spot A. That's so dumb, Nick. Well, it, right. The yes, NBA. So hey, listen, every every league has gone through some ridiculous rule like like well, this. Well, here it is. Right, Holy like at slow. some point, the NFL did have the pass interference goofiness. Exactly, and in the here NBA, at one point. When you were playing on the post, if you had one guy on the on the post, like the high post on the right hand side, the guy on the left hand low post wasn't around, yeah. wasn't allowed to cross the paint, and yeah. that that's a lot of big people's big argument on Jordan. They're gonna have to figure this out. But baseball, I think, and players are worried about about all of these guys that are now hitting two twenty because the singles that they would normally hit are just then, being hey, covered. Here's an idea: give that roster spot to someone who can hit the ball all over the ballpark. I agree. I agree. I mean, they are like. Shocking. You should maybe have the best hitters in the MLB. Oh, my God. All right. We do actually have to move on. So let us know your thoughts on the new CBA. Clearly, we have our own opinions on the DH in the National League and the banning of shifts as the two main controversies, I'd say, coming out of this. Absolutely. Uh, We don't really care if they get paid $650,000 or $700,000. So let us know your opinion on the rule changes that is going to affect how you watch the game. Yeah, uh, and let us know what you guys think about the Minnesota Twins as well. I think we forgot to put that yeah. uh, in there. Uh, what their season's going to look like, what other trades are you looking for them to see, and how fun is it to have Nash Walker in, you know, on the show with us on the weeks where he is available. Now we can skip on over to the NFL Hot Corner. So this um, is going to be truly two-minute drill type uh, scenario because we got about five to six subjects to get to in about we're nine going, minutes. We're going to kill it, all right? And we can start with... Captain Kirk Cousins. Now I haven't. I have. I, I finally came up with a perfect comparison for Kirk. Are you ready to hear it? Mm-hmm. Reggie Jackson was Mister October. Shawn Michaels was Mister WrestleMania. Kirk Cousins is Mister March. If this guy was as talented in the month of March as he needs to be in October and beyond, then he'd probably have. Not one ring, but two. Because as a guy that only has one playoff win and is pretty much sporting a 500 record in the NFL as a starter, for him to, by the time he inks his next deal, have $300 million in guaranteed money is fucking atrocious. He's a bull of ranch. It's so bad. Why? 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 So I will say this. Ugh. Record isn't necessarily a quarterback statistic. Yes, it is. Matthew Stafford is a perfect example of that. Well, we all knew what Matthew Stafford was. But how? His record was awful. You see what I'm saying? But Kirk doesn't have the talent. Besides when it comes to contract negotiations. Brett Favre's best season ever, I believe, was 3,600 yards. Yes. 33 touchdowns Mm -hmm. and seven interceptions. Okay. Kirk last year. And you remember the offensive line that Brett did that against? Or uh, did that behind? Yeah, it wasn't a great one, was it? Oh, it was. Okay. Brian McKinney, Steve Hutchinson. Got oh, yeah. Matt yeah. Burke. I know you're talking about. He had about, AP yeah. in the backfield, yep. Sidney Rice. Yep. So that was 3,600, 33 and 7. Yep. Kirk Cousins last year, 4,300, 33 and 7 behind the 31st ranked offensive line. It's not, like I and said, with the 29th ranked defense. We make the same argument 
I'm every just, here's week. the thing. I, again, am not a huge Kirk fan, but I'm not a Kirk hater because I understand what he does. He, Kirk Cousins is the best bowl of ranch at Buffalo Wild Wings. But if you bring me just the bowl of ranch, I'm going to be freaking pissed. And here's the thing. The bowl of ranch right now is a little too expensive. It's way too expensive. But and let's not forget that just because of the extension, we can still move him. He's still movable. Right. But, well, not really because we also gave him a no-trade clause. So here's what I think. The it just Vi- means he has to choose. I know. But here's what I think the Vikings are suffering from. If you want to beat a guy like this, leverage is the name of the game. And the Vikings need to do something either in this offseason or by the middle of next season to make sure that we can regain the leverage from Kirk Cousins' team, right? Go Whether draft that's Carson Strong. What sure. Whether that's drafting <laughs> at this point, why not? Whether it's drafting another quarterback or doing something else with the roster that allows us to go, no, you don't get to demand $40 million a year anymore. Like Aaron, we're gonna talk about Aaron Rodgers' deal that came through uh at, at some point, probably not this week, but like next week. And he's not making that kind of money. He is now making some of the sacrifice. So it's one of these things where you just sit back and I want to tear my hair out because I often find these guys that know that they can win and make their money in the postseason advertisements, doing all of these things sponsorship-wise, are willing to take the pay cut. The guys that know that they can't, won't, and Kirk is one of those guys. I would, uh, like I said, I think he's just an expensive bowl of ranch. We need to be able to put the pieces around him. Uh, are those pieces going to be good enough? We'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, Tom Brady unretires. Was he ever really retired or did he just decide to go on family vacation? He mowed the lawn for the first time and they were like, hey, get rid of all of this healthy ice cream, like kale ice cream and shit that you have in the house. You're not playing anymore. And he went, no. And then he was like, why would I? Like, it It, it just didn't seem like do he was Do you think that's ever... what it was? Or do you think he was just sitting at home trying to relax and his kids were like being really loud and he's fuck these kids. I'm going back to play football. I, I honestly think for a guy like him, like you saw it with Kobe, Kobe wasn't really ready to walk away from basketball until all of his competitive nature, all of his competitive juices had been used up, right? You see that in guys. Tom is one of those guys. Like, regardless of what shape he's in, physically, his mentality, until that changes, will always drag him back to this. And in that's that, that's how I see this. I don't when he I think his hand was forced by some of the things that came after the playoff loss with the media kind of unceremonially announcing his retirement for him and then him going that's not how I wanted to go out. I want to do this on my fucking terms. I know even still I'm probably a top 10 quarterback or thrower of the football in this league. I can take another pay cut. The Bucks seem to be able to get the roster pieces together to run this back. Why not? I think uh, he could very well win the Lombardi this year and go yeah. on top. So uh, with that, we'll leave it. Let us know what you think about Tom Brady unretiring. Is this like a Brett Favre type move? Like, is it getting annoying to some people? No, it's point? the first time he's done it. It's the first time he's done it. I know, but there's always been speculation because this it's, is his 23rd season. It's different, though, because I think Brett waited until camp. Okay. Tom Brady went on family vacation and came back and was like, God, I miss Gronk and decided to go back to football. What did you say about his juices again? Competitive Tom's juices. juices? Yeah. He's, okay. he's not, he hasn't yet used all of his competitive yeah. juices. Oh, okay. He hasn't, he hasn't quenched his thirst to this point with, with NFL. After 23 seasons, which I is I think a lot. you have not quenched your thirst on Tom's juices. <laughs> I'm going to let it slide because it's St. Patrick's Day. Right, we got you. a lot to get to.
All right. Uh, so moving on, let's uh, talk about Deshaun Watson being found not guilty in criminal court. Let's make sure we make this distinction. Yep. Um, found not guilty, I believe, 22 cases in criminal court. I want to say he still has... 16 civil cases. I was going to say 15 or 16 civil cases to get through. Yep. And then a possible NFL suspension as well due to conduct. So, so the the leaning kind of just update where we're at here with this. So the leaning on that from my, from my understanding is that the NFL is going to follow the criminal system on this one as far as everything that is going on. Deshaun Watson can go ahead and settle those civil cases and that can stay a personal matter and if the, there was a grand jury that was not able to convict him of any actual punish like any actual offense here in a criminal court then the NFL he's already sat out a year with all of this. There's a there's a large feeling, I think, that he has already somewhat served his penance for this. And when the trade comes, he will be able to resume uh, his career as need be. I think at the very most, you're going to see a six-game suspension is what has been floated. And even if that gets appealed, you could see that come down to two or three games. All right. So really quick, because it's uh, my podcast with Nick, I'm going to share my opinion. So I'll make it like a minute long here. So first and foremost, I want to make it very clear that I believe victims and believe that victims should speak out and yes. I support victims and the Me Too movement and all that. Yep. However, the conduct and situation around this situation was a little too fishy for me. And I'm just going to break it down to why it's fishy for me. Yep. Houston, playoff team, trade away J.J. Watt to Andre Hopkins, two of your main leaders on either side of the ball. Deshaun Watson wants better players around him. That frustrates him. They then move on from Bill O'Brien as the head coach. Deshaun Watson as the franchise quarterback would like some input into who they bring in as the head coach, scheme-wise, yep. everything like this. They basically shut him down and give him no voice whatsoever. Then Deshaun Watson turns around and basically asks for a trade. Says, hey guys, I'm just this is not what I wanted out of being a franchise quarterback. I wanted some input. I wanted some weapons around me. It's just not what I'm looking for. Please trade me. After he asks for the trade, that's when a lawyer, and I cannot think of his name right now, this lawyer, who is best friends with the owner of the Texans, comes forward with case after case after case. Not all at once, by the way. One at a time, they start correctly. to roll out. Correct. Correct. Uh, against him, basically saying that he, uh, and these were all massage therapists, yep. to my knowledge, that he basically instructed them or asked them to do lewd acts with him. However, it has been proven or brought out in criminal court that that didn't happen. And then there's also 18 massage therapist that he has worked with in his past from Clemson into the NFL as well, who have basically said that he is nothing but professional. And that's basically all we've ever known about Deshaun Watson outside of this case is that he is literally above board. Yep. So my opinion on this is this is all fishy Texans owner basically trying to blackball him out of the NFL. I agree. So good on you, Deshaun. Hopefully you get out of there soon and play some football again. Yeah, no, I one of the few topics that me and you I I think agree on wholeheartedly. This was something that was they tried to ruin this guy because the they the Texans didn't want to see another generational talent walk out. Let's keep in mind, last time he played football, he was top five in every quarterback statistic that mattered and almost got that god awful Houston Texans team into the playoffs. And at one point, they had the Chiefs down twenty four nothing the year previous. In the playoffs, right? And they lost 51 to 31, but that's not really on him. And, and that's, defense yeah. gives up 50 points. That's not on him. So right now, the teams have really been narrowed down to what looks like is going to be the NFC South. Yeah. In uh, the Atlanta Falcons, he can go home and play in Atlanta. Um, the New Did Orleans Matt Ryan retire? No. 
The theory is whoever Deshaun, and this came out yesterday, the theory is whoever Deshaun Watson gets traded to, the quarterback that is left over is going to be picked up by Indianapolis. That's why we haven't seen Indy make a move. That's going to be Jimmy G. Not necessarily. They're really worried about his shoulder surgery. Okay. So um, you're looking at. So uh, we're kind of transitioning into our top remaining free agents, which is our last, uh, second to last segment as far as the NFL. Yep. So Atlanta for Deshaun, New Orleans. Tampa was in it, but Tom comes back, so that's a no. Um, other than that, the only thing that gets a little fishy here or gets a little weird here in how this could all pan out is in order to meet with Deshaun, you have to submit a trade offer to the Texans. They have to approve it, and then Deshaun's allowed to go visit with that team. You, um, Does that sound right to you? Like, let's just think about what the Texans just did to this man's life. No, they should just let him go. And now they're like, oh, well, you actually have to approve it to us and then we'll tell Deshaun it's it's okay. Well, here's the, the like that's to, to muddy the waters even further. He's got a no trade clause. Oh, dude, it's so here, just here, in theory, in theory, yeah. I could go say you're Houston and I'm Atlanta and I offer you I say I will offer you three first round picks, you know, the same Russell Wilson style package. And you can go okay. Deshaun comes to me and we visit. I like this. Deshaun goes, "I want to go there." Well, I, as Atlanta, could technically turn around and go, I will give you one first-round pick. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Because guess who's – that? now that Deshaun has said that's where he wants to go, do you think he wants that team to leverage that future, to leverage the future of where he's going? No. So this could get really hairy really quick. But it's it's definitely – Houston a, wants him gone. Unheard of. Yeah, and they have a quarterback. So are you really going to be able to get three firsts for Deshaun? I think that's yet to be seen. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Uh, let's talk about top remaining free agents. And really quick, I just want to throw two names at you. Yes. Um, at the quarterback position, Marcus Mariota. Yes. And Jameis Winston. Mm -hmm. Do they start for NFL teams in the fall? I think Marcus Mariota Former will find. Pick will one and two. Yeah, I think Marcus Mariota might find his way into a uh, on, onto a squad this year. I thought Jameis played pretty well with the Saints before getting injured, actually. Coming off that knee injury, I think he's going to have a little bit to prove. I think he'll probably okay. find his way onto a roster where he is... Um, kind of working back into like he wasn't proved like let's remember let's not forget he wasn't exactly a proven commodity getting that starting job in in new orleans no, right he definitely so, wasn't but cleveland uh has rumors that they're going to be moving on from baker mayfield baker mayfield comes out with this cryptic it's not cryptic he's message. he's done with cleveland and cleveland is done with him which and if cleveland on just wants to run the ball and hold on to the football marcus mariota marcus be great mariota. for that offense um so hey gabe do we have the image on the uh, top remaining free agents Bingo. Got it. So there are some names out here that should interest just about everybody to name a few. Teron Armstead has not been signed. Cordero Patterson went ahead and resurrected his career. Allen Robinson, uh, the skeleton of T.Y. Hilton. Yes, I said skeleton. Playoff Lenny, which I assume – you would assume he's going back to Tampa, correct? I, I would if I were him. Okay. So uh, other guys, Chandler Jones is no longer available. He actually winds up going to the – Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders. out of Max. And then Von Miller gets a six-year, $120 million deal from the Buffalo Bills. Yep. Look out for them next year. But guys like Bobby Wagner, um, Miles Jack is available. Miles I was Jack actually just, uh, I believe, signed with Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Well, Thank I was I, – I, Dude, I follow some weird – fan pages on Facebook, and uh, I would not have known that if I'm not a part of Pittsburgh Steelers fan nation. I gotcha. Um, but then guys like Teron Matthew and Stephon Gilmore out there as well. 
My whole thought on this remaining group, the guys that have not signed or did not sign before the tampering or the league year officially started at midnight last night. Looks like the 2014 Pro Bowl roster. Yeah. Not only that, now these guys are probably going to have to wait. I think we saw the first attempt at this last year with guys like Jadavian Clowney and some other guys that signed late. Their best bet now is to wait until the draft is over to see where there is still a need, to see where they can go and actually compete and win, even if it is on a more team-friendly deal. I think... Well, that gives the player a little bit more leverage as far as just you know contract negotiations as well. Exactly. Like if you're Tron... Hey guys, we're past the draft. Who else are you going to get? Yeah, if you're Tyron Matthew, do you immediately want to sign with um, with Baltimore? No, not necessarily. Right. I would wait because if Kansas City can't find their replacement safety, or somebody goes down, or Tampa, you know, can't get the safety in the draft, you know what I mean? It just opens more doors for them after the draft to go to a place where they can be competitive. And a lot of guys on this list, a la Armstead, uh, Allen Robinson. Playoff Lenny, Bobby Wagner, um, you know, Stefan Gilmore, Tyron Hicks is actually up there still, and he just signed with the Vikings. Yep. And but that that group of guys that I just named are all guys that you would assume at this point in their career, they've got their bag. They're going to ring chase at this yep. point. So uh is there anybody on this list that you think that the Vikings should be targeting right away? You know, just understanding our financial structure and what we're working with. Um, it is good to see us bring in Jordan Hicks. I think that that was a great move, actually. Yeah, I would have um, preferred Miles Jack, but I understand. I think it's just money thing. Uh, Miles Jack is a little bit more expensive, well, I believe. He played with Kendricks at UCLA. No, I, I, I know he played with Kendricks and Barr at UCLA. Yep. Um, not really. I mean, I think we might be able to afford an older Eric Fisher, someone like that, uh, just for depth. But at the same time, you really want O'Neill and Derisaw to basically get older and develop and in order to do so you really just need to give them clock um i got a name for you that's not on this list yeah jc treader from cleveland to fill our center position would be the one target that i think would be perfect and help fill i'm telling you kirk to cleveland no jc treader from cleveland to minnesota via free agency all right let us know what you guys think about the top remaining free agents that are available or the free agency signings that have gone on thus far um, last subject for our NFL hot corner today, AFC, AFC West, West swinging for the fences. Well, someone's got to come out on top in that division. Listen, man, Russ got into the division and the, I, I believe that the chargers and Raiders were sitting at home and they went, I, I don't, I don't fucking think so. I don't. <laughs> You think I'm just going to take this shit laying down? And the Chargers went out and got Cleo Mack, and then they got J.C. Jackson, and the Raiders went, uh, uh, you can keep Yannick Ngakwe. We'll take Chandler Jones, and we'll stack him and Max Crosby up over one another. And I tell you what, Randy Russ, Gregory as well. Ra yeah, Randy Russ. Gregory goes to – Russ should be shitting his pants. He took, they took one look at him as a quarterback and went, nah, going to be real hard to throw the ball from your back and with corners glued to your receivers. Denver might be in trouble. This speeds that window up a bit or at least makes it a whole lot e more difficult to climb that mountain in year one, which I know they're going to try to do. Um, I think us as fans should be extremely happy about this because we're going to see a lot of AFC West games that are basically playoff level matchups throughout the year. Yeah. Um, 
Dylan Austin comments in. Uh, it's been reported that multiple players are waiting on Deshaun Watson before making their decision. That why, kind of makes sense. Why would you not wait on him? Yeah. I mean, he's, like you said earlier, a top five, top ten quarterback for sure. Um, no, Juju, Jarvis Landry, or Julio on your list. No. No. That's all I'm going to say about that. No. Jarvis, maybe. No. But Juju, Stop no. Stop it. And Julio basically didn't show up last year in Tennessee. He forgot he should, to get off the bus. He should have stayed in Atlanta. So, no. Dylan, no. All right. Uh, and anything else to say about the AFC West really quick? I, clearly the best division in football, in my opinion. Yeah. Looking at that, uh, if, if I'm, I'm going to watch every game. Every Yeah, every game is going to be a playoff caliber. And every win, every down, every drive is going to matter in that division this year. And if you listen, Max Crosby's been on a little bit of a media tour because he just got his bag as well. Uh, with Las Vegas, very excited about what Josh McDaniels, McDaniels has been doing since he has gotten there. And that team seems to be, you know, yodly, yodly on its way up the mountain to compete with the other three teams the in the division. The craziest thing is, is somebody's going to have to finish last in this division. And God. I think I already know who. Just Denver. Ah. Denver is finishing last in this division this year. We're going to have to make another bet. But uh, let us know what you think about the AFC West craziness. And let us know who you think is going to... Let, let us know your one through four in the AFC West as of right now. Yeah. I mean, ah, man. If the Chargers draft well. Chiefs? Yep. Broncos? Nope. Raiders Chargers. All right, moving on. <laughs> uh, Wild Wolf Watch. Uh, we this can, is getting really fun. Yeah. Um, because so let's start with the Minnesota right, Wild. We'll Sorry. save the best This is for last. not getting as fun. Ah. <sighs> When is it going to stop? Like, wh at what point is it panic now? You said don't panic last week. Is it panic now? We're still technically in playoff hunt. We're tied for second in our division. Uh, or no, we're not. We're two points back from second in our division. Um, it's panic it's, now. It's getting there. It's. I'll say this. It's. It's getting close to. I, I'm. I'm taking the plastic covering off the red button. <laughs> Am I hitting the red button yet? No. But it's ready to be pushed. It, this has been ugly. When your GM comes out and says, hey, I can't do enough trades to make these guys not suck anymore. Like, and, and that's it's, a red flag. It's entirely an in-house issue, and it starts with defense and goaltending. Yeah. I, like, and just discipline. Just playing the puck when it crosses the blue line. Not, not letting them enter your zone. Yes. While eating a piece of cake. Yeah. Well, so you look at Cam Talbot. I was high on him coming into the year. Has he performed up to snuff? Not exactly. And then Kakinen had a run, but then has seemingly regressed to the same, you know, wet paper bag that he was at the beginning of the season. And now that paired with the fact that we lack defense and size and we have all of these games that we have to play. I mean, I'll say this, <sighs> though, dude. I'll say this. The top team in the hunt has 67 points, and we have 74. It, okay, scoring. With 55, 59, with about 20 games left. Ask Atlanta and ask Houston how it works to have a great offense and no defense come play. No, I, 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 our goal isn't to win the Stanley Cup this year, though. Again. I want to get out of the first round. We gotta make I want to get out of well, the first we're round. Not get, we're not going to get around, out of the first round more than likely. Okay, so then we're the same team we've been for the last 10 fucking years. But with youth, and this is our first year going to the playoffs oh and getting God. experience for next year. I'm going to put your head through a table. Maybe later. So, it's yes, just, the Wild are reeling. Yes, it's getting close to panic mode. But remember the expectations. The expectations were to make the playoffs this year, make a push to the playoffs this year. We're still in a position to do so. 
Our goal was not to win the Stanley Cup this year. Next year starts our winning window for the Stanley Cup. I'm telling you. They're just so bad late. Oh, they're horrible. They're so bad late. And it's very frustrating to watch. They were not the fun hockey team they were I have to watch th- the first half of the year. I turned it off. I used to sit down to watch wild games. I now might listen to it on the radio. I know, but while we're talking hockey, I'm just going to throw in really quick. Congratulations. Go, give Go us a little bit bigger eye roll, please. A little bit bigger eye roll. Go ahead. Uh, congratulations to Hermantown uh, out of the North Shore area um, for winning the single A Minnesota State High School Championship yes. for hockey. Um, and congratulations to who won the double A one again? Andover. Yeah. Go skis. Roll skis. So congratulations to the Andover boys. Uh, and congratulations to Maple Grove and War Road as well, two teams that uh, lost in the state final. But those hey, are both really good games. Listen, it's always great to be the first loser. So that double A game was probably the best game I've seen ever in my life. So um, um, let's transition over to the Minnesota Timberwolves. But well, first, got the schedule coming up for the Wild. You want to touch on that real quick? Because we do have a little bit of does a home it matter here. right now? I think it does okay. because we have a seven game homestand with some days in between. Gabe, do we have the schedule? Bingo. I love this, this whole reaching into next week thing. Uh, so went ahead and actually stole a win against um, Boston uh, last night at the X. Two-day break now before we square off against the Blackhawks, whose numbers number we have had. Um, and then the Knights, who have had our number before we get a little bit of a return or opportunity to return serve on some Canadian, t- Canadian teams uh, coming to the X uh, in Vancouver and the Blue Jackets. But we will be with you on the 24th uh, before both of those games. So, Mike... What are we going to do over the next two games? Are we going to start to see a corner? Can we get to 3-0 and at home before we see the fans again? You know, I think we... I'm going to say we win against Chicago. Chicago's, like, as bad as we've been lately. Yeah. That team is on fire. Um, so we'll win there. Vegas literally has our number, so that's going to be an L. And I'll say because I work... With a guy who's a huge Bruins fan, that the Wild are going to kick their ass as well. Or wait, no, we just played the Bruins. We just played the Bruins. So we only have two games. It's just. Didn't we just beat the Bruins? Yeah, last night. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'll go one and one. I'm going to go two and oh. I actually believe with the way that the Knights have played very slow lately, especially two days off, get a win, get another day off, and then you're still at home, maybe generate some momentum, recapture a little bit of the early season glory for the Bruins. All right. So. Uh, let us know what you guys think on the upcoming games for the Minnesota Wild. Is there any trades that could be made at the deadline that you would be looking to see? Or what is the answer for the Minnesota Wild to right the ship as we get closer and closer to the playoffs? Now, speaking of a team that is streaking towards the playoffs and with other teams stumbling, might be looking at the six, the four, the three seed maybe in the West before the end of the season in the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are on fire. I mean, did you watch Pat Bev and Carl Anthony Towns just dog Russell Westbrook and LaBum James last night? It was amazing to watch. It was the most entertaining thing I had seen on television in six months. In our lifetime, I don't think the Wolves have ever been 15-point favorites over the Lakers. I love that. And and performed to standard. Yeah. Um. No, I... Dude, I loved it. Uh, wasn't able to watch the whole thing. Was able to see clips here and there. 
Yeah, I've I even that. texted you last night. I was they like, are you game. watching this at all? Because I'm seeing updates on my phone, and it must be fun to watch. Um, um, I think it was like 34 to 17 at the end of the first quarter. Westbrook was atrocious last night. Pat Bev was all up LeBron in his LeBron didn't look good. Uh, Mello. Just the effort that – here's the thing. The Lakers are 35 and older, and it's showing. They like, look like they're the playing in a 40. is not there at all. They look like um, they're playing in a 40-plus league. T- you, the, my favorite player from the night was – Pat Bev at the end of the first half goes and gets an offensive rebound, basically sneaks underneath Mello, who's not boxing anybody out, grabs an offensive rebound, puts it in for two, goes down um, on the other side and grabs the defensive board, I want to say. And then I think goes coast to coast and dunks it or something crazy. Like, and he was just, just going around the Lakers like they were absolutely standing still. Walking, just walking the down. The effort level was just zero. 100, and it was just complete contrast. Walking the down the floor, looking LeBron in the face, pointing at Russell Westbrook, going, he's trash. He's yep. trash. That, I love that. Keep that. I want, when was the last time you were able to see this team have that energy, like verbally, and back it up on the, uh, with the way that they play? Incredibly impressed. Not only that, Carl Anthony Towns since the All-Star break. Like, if you started MVP voting from the All-Star break, Carl— Stop it right now, because I told you this two weeks ago, and you laughed me out of the room. I, I've changed my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I told I, you. I watched that game against— be 60 points. I watched that game against San Antonio, and then after seeing some of the highlights from last night, the guy is unconscious offensively right now. And he's one of the main reasons why we're so good. Holy smokes. Hey, you know what? I will start to— I, Credit where credit is due. I need to rescind some of my early season comments. If this is how Cat's going to play, the Wolves in the playoffs are going to be a problem. Dude. A problem. Because it's going to take like Here's Rudy Gobert right or now, somebody to like, stop him. So we have the playing tournament, but we're probably going to get the seventh seed. Let's be honest. Us against the Pelicans? I mean, stop I think... It. Listen, stop. Uh, the Jazz are slipping right now. Well, here's... So as of right now, if the if the regular season ended today... It does And we had to play... Go ahead. And we had to play the number 10 seed Pelicans. We would win that game and get the seven seed. We would then be in a seven-game series against the Grizzlies. I would rather be the Wolves. Yeah. They have John Morant and Steven Adams. That's about it. Yep. Well, they have uh, Jamison Crowder. Yeah, they have some other pieces. But, like, I would rather be the Wolves in that matchup. If we do slide up to the six, then we have the Warriors. We've had the Warriors number. All season. So, it's a really good time to be a Minnesota Timberwolves fan right now. Couldn't agree more. We have 11 games left. Uh, Nuggets at six have a game and a half lead on us. Mavericks have a three-game lead. Jazz have a three-game lead. And then Warriors all the way up at three have a six-game lead with 11 games left. So, possible, probably not likely, likely, but... We could get six or five, possibly, by the end of the year. Yeah, and I think the games that we have coming up are tough, but they're winnable games. This is, we've talked about it all season. There are stretches in the schedule that are what? Playoff caliber, right? Okay, so Milwaukee at home. With the way Milwaukee has played this year, that's a winnable game. That's not, you can't pencil that in as an automatic L for the Wolves right now, okay? I mean, they have, yeah, like two more wins than us all year. And that's Milwaukee. And that's, yeah, that's Milwaukee. Now, it'll be interesting to see Cat play against... Giannis as a matchup. I see Gabe down there in the corner. I just want to chime in and say how mad I am about the DH rule again. <laughs> <laughs> He's been seething back there by himself. Um, so we've got the game against Milwaukee at home. We could take that win. Then you go on the road and you play Dallas. You want to gain some ground. That's a game you got to win as well. 
CP3 is still out. You get that Phoenix at home. That is a winnable game. And Dallas again. And then Dallas we'll again. Talk but to you we'll talk guys be, before we'll, that. We'll be back with you guys before that. I think, honestly, honest to God, you could see 3-0 and out of the Wolves this week. Before next Thursday. <laughs> yeah, you good? Are you okay? Yeah. Um, oh, I'm 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 believing because at the beginning of the season, I'm believing. You uh, you bet me that the Wolves wouldn't make the playoffs. I did, and now you're calling that they're going to go three zero against three playoff teams. Yep. All right, just making sure. Listen, man, all, right. all the credit um, in the world. I'm going to go the front office and Chris Finch and getting this thing right this year. I'm going to go two and one, and that's optimistic. Really? Yeah. Why you always got to speak ju- bad juju into the world? I'm not speaking. What are you doing? Not, Nash said it What are you doing? I say it like it is. Because Milwaukee is really freaking good, but we get them at home, so we might be able to steal that one. Dallas? Might. Come in on. Dallas? Mm, that's a tough one. Phoenix at home? Could win it. Again, very tough. But so, no CP3? I mean... I don't know, man. That's still a really freaking good team. That's the best team in the West. Yeah, that's true. And so what are they without CP3? The second best team in the West? So I don't know. (laughs) That's a good team. So I'm going to say that we actually lose to the uh, Mavericks in Dallas and do beat the Suns at home. But that's, like I said, optimistic. Love it. All right. Let us know what you guys think about the Minnesota Timberwolves status right now. Uh, Let us know what you think about their last week and their week moving forward as well. we got to figure out what the bet was because it's one win away, I believe, from me basically clinching that bet. We got to figure it out. Somebody's, I guess as the guy is, who's going to win, it might be on you to go back and watch the film to see what the bet was. Let me ask you this. Is 7 through 10 technically a playoff team? No, it's a play-in team. So, so you have to be a 6 seed to be a playoff team yeah. or win your play-in games? Yes. So if they finish with the 7 seed, you still technically lose against have- 10. And then play the loser against of seven or eight nine, and they lose that one. You did. Then you I lost, lost the bet. bet. Yep. Get the six C. <laughs> Mike going crazy. All right. So from basketball madness that Mike just dis- just displayed in the NBA to March I, madness. You guys don't want to see in this. the NCAA. It has started. As of noon, there was a tip off, and we are officially a part of tournament time. What's up? So unfortunately, guys. Um, really quick. What's up? Typically, we would have our card giveaway mm. at this time. Yes, it was planned into the show. Mister Polad decided to do some things. Okay, let's. I'll, I'll clear the air here. Not just Mister Polad. For some reason, sports news happens after this show ends. We left the studio last week, and it was. Not guilty on Deshaun. Rogers' contract came out. Kirk got an extension. The M- MLB ended the lockout, and I was like, "Well, no." And then the any. Twins traded for Gary Sanchez. Uh, it was a like- mess. So guess what? If you if you're a fan of sports news, maybe tune into your local sports station right after our show ends because that's when all the news starts to happen. But because of that, we don't have time to get to the card giveaway this week. We are going to let more people right. enter by just pushing it off to next week. So the same so rules if you apply. Did- Everything that you're supposed to leading into today's drawing, your name has been logged and it will go into next week's drawing as well. Yes. That doesn't mean you can't share today's show for a higher chance of winning. 100%. Remember. Because it is unlimited entries. Unlimited entries. So just wanted to clear that out if you were waiting for the card giveaway. Oh, look. It's a poll ad. Mark, <laughs> 
Oh, dance. He's over here. <laughs> you could kill me and punch him. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so All let's right. talk some March Madness. We're going to breeze through this real quick. Me and Mike are just going to give you uh, some of our picks in the different, uh, you know, West, East, Midwest, and Southern brackets as we go. So, Gabe, can I get the Western bracket? Fantastic. Um, three things that I look for when it comes to college basketball are going to be uh, guard play that shoots well and can, can stretch the floor. Um, a, a, a team that has a high assist and low turnover ratio and is not in fouling trouble often. I think in big moments, that's what plagues teams. Do you like look at the numbers before making picks? Yes, I do. Oh, what's wrong with you? So You do I, it all wrong. No, no, no. I asked Sam, hey, what color jerseys do you like more, uh, red or blue? Oh, I, I know what you did. You picked all the higher seeds. but I didn't pick all um, the higher seeds. Well, pretty much. We'll get to your bracket in a there. minute. But uh, I got, you know... Gonzaga pretty much makes its way through. The only surprises that I have in, in in this side of the bracket would be Vermont. I looked at the way that they have played recently. Um, Again, it's trash competition, Nicholas. It, you look at the way that they you just I go in and I'm looking at the numbers. It doesn't competition to me doesn't matter, and especially well, I mean watching, their turnover ratio against uh, Boston University is really come on, man. It competition doesn't matter. We're going to see if Vermont wins the first round, and I'm going to come back and laugh at you next week. I'm telling you. All right. I'm telling you. So that would be my surprise pick would be Vermont to go ahead and square up against Gonzaga, probably lose. Uh, Texas, Texas Tech squeezes past Alabama. Davidson does get uh, – David Sun does get past Michigan State, I think, to start the tournament. That's um, uh, Steph Curry's alma mater. Yep, and then I think it falls off there because they're going to run into Coach K's farewell parade. Um, in Duke, Duke is very beatable though right now. Yeah, but Duke is very beatable. So I think that's pretty much what I got as my final four in the Western bracket as Gonzaga, Vermont, and then Texas Tech and Duke. Yeah. So how we did this was Nick did the West and Midwest, and I did the East and South. So the so East it's, it's kind of an Michael. interesting take on a bracketology. Bracketology. Well, we were able to divide and conquer. Yeah. This bracket will be submitted, and when we win millions of dollars, you'll know. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, Baylor, Norfolk State took ba Baylor. Uh, sorry, not a hard pick. Uh, <laughs> North Carolina versus Marquette. I did take UNC. Um, I thought they looked really good against Duke in Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor. Yeah. Um, and I think that they looked decent in the ACC tournament, but North Carolina always brings some type of energy to those big games. Yeah. Um, they easily get by Marquette in the first round. St. Mary's, Indiana. This one was actually pretty tough for me. Indiana has played well. The, especially the past month or so. Yep. Um, I am going to take St. Mary's. I just don't think Indiana is good enough when it comes to just pure talent. Uh, UCLA, Akron. I took UCLA. Uh, Texas, Vatek. I took Texas. Purdue, Yale. This was an easy one, to be honest with you. I was surprised to see Yale in the tournament that high. Yeah. Like, they should be a 15 or 16. Um, Murray State, San Francisco. I did take Murray State. You have any team with only two losses on the year. That's when competition doesn't really matter because that's a <laughs> lot of winning. Um, Kentucky and St. Peter's, Kentucky. So for the second round, uh, Baylor, St. Mary's. Um, no real upsets for you. No, no, no big ones. You know, um, you're going to hate my next. You're going to hate the next part of this bracket. But yeah, so I got Baylor, St. Mary's, Purdue and Kentucky getting out of the round of uh Eight in the East. Fantastic. And then let's flip on over to the Midwest real quick. This is where you're probably going to have a coronary, so just sit tight. Uh, Kansas does make it through. Uh, so does San Diego State. But then Iowa. Iowa has played pretty well. South Dakota State, to me, I, I get it. You say 
that no, I I can understand the South Dakota State first round pick. I do. I, okay. I saw that on there, and I was like, that's a tough. T- they're, they're really tall and long as yeah. well. They play good defense. Um, and I think if they can get out of, I think their first round matchup is that for them would actually be more difficult than their second round matchup. Like Iowa has played played great in the Big Ten to end the season. But you've seen it. They're inconsistent. And with well, the way uh, that South Dakota State plays basketball, I would not be surprised to see them squeak by Iowa and then get just get mopped up by Kansas. Well, see, and it's all about style of play, right? Big Ten basketball is difficult for coastal basketball to play against because Big Ten basketball is big, physical, long, defensive basketball. Yes. Big Ten games are 60 to 59. SEC games are 85 to 91. Yep. There's a difference. South Dakota State, though, is about, I would say, very similar to Big Ten style of play. That's why I think they do get past Providence. I think that that's actually a very good upset picnic. To get past Iowa, though, I think Iowa plays the same style of play with better players. We'll see. So We'll see. I think... It's not as goofy as you as you thought I would think it was. I think the range for South Dakota makes a difference, too. Their ability to shoot has been really good. And I think, believe it... I think Live by the three, die by the three. And I think the they're 10-0 and 0 st- to get in... You know, heading in and momentum does play a factor. You look at the bottom half of the bracket, uh, LSU over um, Iowa State. I got Colgate that does take Wisconsin. Stop it. For some of the same stop it. For some of the same reasons. This team, I was looking at their assist to turnover ratio. It's incredibly high. They play good defense. They've got a couple of guys that can shoot. They're, I will say, they classify as my Cinderella pick for this year. Nick, they won 66% of their games in a weak conference. Bummer. They're not good. We'll see. Um, USC goes past Miami. Auburn takes out Jacksonville, and then I believe Auburn beats USC. I, I think this is one of those things where you see momentum take over. I really do think it's like Colgate gets there. Uh, I think you, you think see- a school named after a toothpaste is going to get to the fu- <laughs> like? Come on, now. I think South Dakota gets there, but I think then they run into you know these bigger programs like Auburn and Kansas, and you see those as late round buys for those teams. And surprise, surprise, that's probably why you'll see Kansas or Auburn in the Elite Eight or the Final Four, because they do get a little bit of a... I actually have Colgate meeting Crest in the Final Four. Shut up. All right, so that's my thoughts on the Midwest, and then Mike ending the show with the South. Yeah, you're pissed. I went one through four. Uh, Arizona, but I did pick a nine over an eight in TCU. You can see Mike taking chances this March Madness. They call me the gambler. Uh, so I took nine TCU over eight t- uh, Seton Hall. Honestly, it's to me very similar records. TCU did it in a little bit di- more difficult conference, a little bit more difficult competition. So I took TCU in that game. I think that when it comes to the wire, it's you're, that experience. I got you. Go ahead. What? No, I was just going to say say, you, say say it with your chest. You're picking Ohio over the sister in Loyola? Yeah. I went to, hey, she's I, like the ninth one in the world. I went to a Catholic world. college. Where sisters taught and sisters coached football. Not all sisters are cool, man. No. Ohio State is a better team. Sorry. Uh-huh. So Houston over UAB. Illinois over Chattanooga. Uh, Colorado State over Michigan. That one was kind of tough. But Michigan has literally fallen off a cliff. And they're not Like great. they were good in January. And then the coach decided to punch another coach and uh, stuff fell apart. Tennessee and Longwood, Tennessee over Longwood, Ohio State over Loyola Chicago. I don't think that that will be 
very close. Villanova, Villanova over the, D- over the DH rule and NL uh, sucks, which I like that. Uh, that's um, Delaware. Actually, Gabe is still just having fun back there. So Villanova over Delaware. I do have Villanova over Ohio State meeting Tennessee uh, in the Sweet 16. That would be yep. Uh, Illinois and Arizona. So literally one through four in the South. Hmm, weird. You're a risk taker. This is why me and you balance each other. I mean, so well. dude, there's literally a reason that they're seated the way that they are, though. So to like not follow the seating whatsoever is is dumb. Fine. Do you want to bet me a dollar on the Loyola Chicago game versus Ohio State? You want Loyola for yeah. a dollar? Yeah. Let's go. I'm a dollar richer, folks. Well, I can't pray because Loyola already has them. So, uh, <laughs> oh Jesus, get it? Nah. Nah. All, all right. right. That's all we have. And <laughs> the show it was a fun show. Thank you for uh, being with us. Yeah, absolutely. So glad to have you guys in with us every Thursday. Uh, Mike, where can they find us if they want to come back to watch some more content next Thursday? Yeah, guys, we, we put clips all the time on our social medias as well. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Spotify, YouTube, and Patreon. Twitch. Twitch. We don't post on Twitch, but we do have one. We do have a want. Twitch. Hey, actually, the Twitch is set up because eventually, once I can convince my fiance, who's in studio today. So this is me saying, please, 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 please. The Twitch is set up because I am a huge gamer, and I would actually like to basically become somewhat of a side streamer on the side. Like, yeah. streamer on the side. For additional and we put content. put it on our Glass Half Sports Oh, the, the, the death page. glare that you're getting. I can't getting see it. The lights are too bright. From I, can, our, I can see the, the bright lights of my streaming career audience. in front of me. So I can't I, I can't see her discerning look right now. I've got your back until we leave the studio. Thanks, bud. You're welcome. And then I get into her vehicle and drive home. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then also, guys, we are on cable as well. So catch us on MCN 6, uh, Saturdays at 10 p.m. Because that's fucking late night. Yes, sir. <laughs> um. As always, you know, glad to have you guys. Make sure you return next week for the card giveaway that we will be doing as we double down on that. We will open up a new pack next week as well. Um, and we will begin to talk about what is going to happen to end March Madness. Uh, we will be inching ever closer to the NFL draft as the league year has officially started. There's a couple of fights coming up that we the will The Twins get to. may have made some moves by then. So Exactly. So I'm sure the minute that we go ahead and cut camera, news in the sports world will drop that me and you will have to sit on until next Thursday. Uh, so make sure you tune back in next Thursday to get all of our takes. As always, take care, stay safe, and have fun on St. Patrick's Day. Samantha, you better airplane with us.